Alright, welcome back to the Maladjusted Monkeys podcast. I'm Tommy Archer, as usual. The man to my left, some of you know him as Shane Klupp. Some of you may know him as the man who lives in my shadows. <laughs> it's good to be back, Shane. Finally. How many times have I started an episode by saying, it's been a while, it's good to be back. Uh, every single one? <laughs> yeah, just about every single one. Uh, the last time we, well, we released an episode only a couple of months ago. With John with Crowey, Crowey, yep. With Crowey. Um, but as we found out a couple of hours ago when we reviewed all our old episodes, we haven't done a catch-up ep for nearly a year. Yeah, and I mean, when we did record that, that was uh, last year when we actually recorded that, but we had yeah. to wait uh, to release that one. Um, the Crowey one? Yeah, yeah until he was uh, fully discharged. Um, yes. So, yeah, like June before that, prior to that one, uh, I think it was Hobbsies, that was June last year. Yeah, so yeah, yeah nearly a year. Almost a year. Um and holy fuck, what a year it's been. What a year it's been. First of all, thank you to uh, our listeners, our viewers, yeah. our fans, if, if I can call you guys that, that uh, <laughs> you're just hanging in there with us. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since, uh, you know, episodes come out. There's a lot of space. But um, as you're probably going to find out in this episode, a lot has happened. Um, a lot of good has happened. Mm. And then it's safe to say a lot of bad or, uh, you know. A, f- a fuck ton of bad. Yeah, we've been... We've both kind of been through the ringer. Um, well, you know, hey, let's start off with a positive. Yeah, let, yeah let's start off on the positive. Um, the the, the, the best break, news, yeah. You break the news, you break the so, news. So, uh, well, obviously everyone knows that, that Maddie was, was pregnant, um, yes. but we got married uh, in August last year and we had a, a beautiful little girl, Marlo, uh, on November 10th. And yeah, she's like... How old is she now? She's almost seven months Nearly now. Seven months now. <laughs> yeah. For me, on the outside, I'm like, hey man, that's gone quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does it feel the same for you, Shane? No. No. No? <laughs> Not at all. Holy shit. Um, it's tough work, isn't it? Mate. It, uh, it was, it's getting, it's been getting harder. Yeah. Um, I found the first three months um, a lot easier than, mm. than now um, because like, they, I found a lot easier to interpret what she wanted and what she needed, like with the the certain sounds that they make. Like it's yep. either dirty, nappy, tired, hungry. or hungry, or yep. you know, I found that quite easy and slept most of the time, so that was great. But yeah. now she's in a bit of a regression at the moment where she she wakes up constantly and she just wants to try and play and she's getting really frustrated because she wants to do shit, yep. but she's not quite capable of doing shit yet. So. Oh, it's a bit of a trap because I mean, when Boston was born. Like the first few days when we got home, I was like, "Man, this is tough." Then the weeks and the early months, I was like, "This is easy. He just sleeps." All yeah, the time. yeah, like, yeah. What's everyone complaining about? Yeah. And then that this, goes. This parenting gig. Yeah, I'm like, I could have eight of these. <laughs> and then that goes after a while, and you're just constantly tired, and you like you so said, you're trying to interpret what they want, and it's it's tough work. Yeah, man. it's tough work. Um, but yeah, you. I'm so glad we've done it though. Like, um, yeah. she's definitely given. Uh, a lot more purpose to my life now mm. um and and uh giving me um a lot more to live for <laughs> yes well with everything you've been through and like we said we'll get to that stuff um, yeah. yeah i'm glad that uh you finally have a child in your life mm. and i knew from the start for you i'm like this is gonna be a challenge for him mm. um but as it's gone on um, as she's gotten older month by month I can see that you're, you're getting your head around fatherhood a bit more. and Yeah. The, the videos Madison posts on social media where um, you and Marla are there together, I can see that. Yeah, she better stop doing that. <laughs> I shouldn't have said it. Um, I love not going on social media. Not I know. I'm, glad, I'm glad I do that for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can just see that you, there's, a, there's something in your eye when you're playing with her. And yeah. You're seeing her you know, 
playing on the mat and I'm sitting, watching you in the background of the of the video and mm. you're just staring at her and you can just see how happy you are. Oh, man. Like, after watching what Madison went through to, to give birth to her, like, such a profound respect for what women go through, through birth. Yeah. That was... That was yeah. hectic. So, well, hey, I was saying we should do a live podcast in the birthing suite. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe just audio, not video. Yeah, know. not video. <laughs> not everyone. Mike, you up, Mike Heron, Mike, me, and the doctor up. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, um, it was pretty quick labor, actually. Like, which isn't actually as good as it sounds because apparently they don't get the ramp up with like dilating and easing into the pain a bit more. So yeah. her active labor, I think was only two and a half hours. Oh wow. Yeah. At one point, um, Marlo's heart rate tanked. So they were about to put in the epidural heart rate tank. So they rushed her into the uh, theater to do an emergency C-section. Um, by the time they got her in there, the heart rate came back. So then they're like, oh, and then they decide, no, nah, we'll just, we'll go natural again. Yep. And then they're still trying to put the epidural in. They only got a loading dose in of the epidural. Um, How were you feeling while this is going fuck, Dude, when they rushed her to the theater, I was fucking peaking. But then I was just trying to hold it together for her. Mm. Like, yeah, it's fine. They know what they're doing. They're doctors. It's all good. So <laughs> <laughs> inside, I was just like, fuck. You guys better know what you're doing in there. <laughs> yeah, so I'd like scrub up like with all the, the, the gear and whatnot. Um, yeah, went back. Uh, the heart rate tanked again. Uh, so I ended up having to get the, um, I can't remember what it's exactly called, but it's like the suction thing to help uh, plunger plunger sure. term. <laughs> I've, I've watched the arm mate I don't yeah um so yeah like i think it was about three no two two fifty eight in the morning she was uh finally born yeah um yeah very uh very proud of uh of madison holy mm. shit she's a trooper I, I i say this every day but thank god i have a penis because <laughs> <laughs> fuck that i say that every day too thank god shane has a penis <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, obviously, yeah, birth of your daughter. And like we said, the wedding as well. Great oh, wedding. What a wedding. What an MC, first what of all. What an MC. What an MC they have, <laughs> may I say. Uh, man, that was so much fun. Man, my fa- like my family still rave about you. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was such a fun wedding, man. Yeah. Like, and both families, you and Madison's like... I felt so bad for the, uh, the what do you call it, like the hostess or the the, the, the venue manager because of like COVID. Oh, COVID that's right. They, no one was allowed peak. to stand up and dance. Yeah, So, it, but everyone kept going from table, like no table to table to chat. It well, was like, made, made like having a wedding quite difficult, but it still ended up being Because what fun. month was the wedding in? Uh, August. So, yeah, that's right. COVID... COVID was still going on and, you know, still is now, obviously, but that was when things were just opening up and it's like, all right, you can, you couldn't dance. Mm. That's right. Dancing wasn't allowed. Except like, it, like me and Madison could have our dance and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone, if you were, you couldn't walk around, you had to sit and drink mm. and, you know, it's a wedding <laughs> from people from, where are your family from? Oh, Harvey Bay, Gundawindi. Gundawindi, you know, like people, yeah. hard charges, <laughs> may we say. Uh, you throw, you know, you throw some free alcohol in there. Oof. Good luck keeping everyone sitting down. Yeah, because we put the initial three-hour bar tab on, but then after that ran out, it was like my mum threw another thousand on. They someone convinced my uncle to throw another. Well, thousand. after you left, they guilted him into it. After you left, the um, the events coordinator coordinator came up to me and she's like, "Yep, look, you guys are done. Like the bar's done. You guys have to like vacate this mm. room now." And I was like, "Well, how do we stay?" He said, "Well, <laughs> the bar tab needs to be, you know, amped up again." And then Kurt Owen Riles are like. So oh, that's right. Yeah, Kevin Ross. So they put, I think it was like, I think the first hit was like a thousand between them. On, yeah. And then that ran out like that. She's come back over again. All right, now you're done. And then Roll's like, 
<laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> and then uh, we went. They went another thousand. So uh, it was good. Yeah, I'm glad everyone had a good time. Yeah, you know, it was good. So, uh, like we said, so some good things have happened. Mm. And uh, well, let's let's run through your story first. What do you, what do you reckon? <laughs> where do we, Where do we start? Uh, let's start with you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep. Uh, well, maybe not because all your shit's positive. But yeah, look, we'll, we'll leave my shit to the end. Let's start okay. with you. All right. Yeah. Um, what, like, because I remember prior to the um, prior to the wedding, we had a couple of conversations that you were struggling a bit with being on the road and and some of the jobs that you had, mm. uh, and you were looking for a bit of a change, uh, yep. getting off uh, the front line. And I know, obviously, we had a couple of conversations since then that you have. Um, you're now working at the uh, academy. Uh, not the academy itself. It's a new facility that's purely for skills training. So like the, you know, driver trainings out there, firearms, um, physical skills, okay. things like yeah. that. So it's a purpose-built facility for the physical skills. Yeah. Aspect. So when did you get that gig? Um, I started there beginning, I'm going to say February, maybe January, February. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what are we now, mate? Yeah. So I've only been there a couple of months. It's not my permanent spot at the moment. I still have my spot at, oh, my, really? at my other station, like my general duty station. Yeah. But this is definitely... Oh, so this is like a compassionate kind of posting oh, thingy? Like, it's or? just a... It's called like a secondment. You know, they need people out there. They need oh, okay. Yep. So I've been lucky enough to... Um, so, oh, yeah. So like like they need guest instructors down at Singer or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind, of, kind of like that. Yep. So um, I'm there at the moment. I've been for the last few months and thoroughly enjoying my current mm, role. Well, I remember once, like a couple of stories you told me about some of the... And sounds really really amazing that like the train that you guys have developed and are running the the new recruits through now yeah like in terms of gearing them up for things they may see out on the job like fucking awesome yeah yeah um obviously i won't go into exact training Mm. methods that we do but um well it's just nice to know that you know the the stigma of cotton wool cops is starting to fall away a little bit (laughs) exactly mate (laughs) Yeah, look, am I saying since I've got there that Cottonwood, Cottonwood cops have gone? I'm not saying that's not for me to judge, Shane, okay? <laughs> no, that's for the people out there. No. Um, yeah, the training now, like, you know, what? when did I go through the academy? Eight, eight nine years ago, something like that. Um, and that's not that long ago, mm. but it already seems completely different ago. to what um, what I did. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just the, the things they're focusing on. And so my, my role exactly is at the moment I do the physical skills. So open and closed hand tactics, going hands-on with people, mm-hmm. um, taser training, things like that. I'm not a firearms instructor yet. Um, eventually I'll get into that and that'd be good as well. But yeah, I, I've been primarily with the recruits, training them on the open and closed hand skills mm. and, the, and the taser stuff. So the correlation between this training and um, the amount of I- excessive force used cases against police officers that you're saying that's a coincidence or? I, I, again, <laughs> okay, it's not for me to say. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, uh, you're throwing me with that one. Eh? <laughs> uh, no, but so that's my, so generally data, like my week is so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, oh yeah. Cause like when originally with, when you're on the road, your hours are like fucking all over the place. Eh? Yeah. Got- so I don't do shift work now. Um, which is a it's like nine to five. Um, yeah, I, I pick my, pick my hours depending on the weeks I have my son and stuff. But it's business hours. Yeah, that's um, also awesome. you know, Monday to Friday. I'm my weekends off, and I guess going if we go back and start from the beginning, you know, the catalyst to bring me there, mm. um, like you alluded to before, end of last year, um, I was just burning out again. Mm. You know, how many times have I been on here? We've talked about that, and I think it was getting to a point where I'm like, okay, something something needs to change. I can't keep living like this. There's, it's something we've brought up a few times um, 
like about the identity. And I think we've always talked about it in terms of like that army identity and like being so attached to that mm. identity. Do you feel like you were doing the same thing with the coppers? Like looking back now? Yeah, I in a way, because I think, you know, when we talk about the army identity, mm. that grows in terms of, um, you know, guys who can't let go of the job and even when they're not working. Yeah. They look like they, you know, they look like soldiers, or they talk about stuff yeah. like that. I don't think in the last few years I've had an issue in terms of you know switching off outside of work, but I think a lot of my focus was like you know there was a specific role I've been trying to get yes. to for the last few yeah. years. I put so much pressure on myself that that is what I need to get to. So every time at work I'm thinking about that. Um, how can I get into that role? Training I need to do for that, and then um, you know I think I've just waited around for so long uh, and waiting for that opportunity to come up. I was getting sick of, A, the shift work, mm. you know. Um, B, you know, I've got a, a son I have every second week. Um, and with shift work, by the time, you know, you, my son comes to me, I'm tired yeah. as well. So I suppose it's lucky that you have your um, your old man um, yeah, living yeah, with you yeah, to give you that help. Because otherwise, like, how would oh, you even mate, do it'd, that? It'd like, be hard. It'd be, yeah, it'd be so hard. I mean, it blows my mind how, like, s- s- certain high-performing people that you meet, like, in the army... Um, in, in the police or in any job capacity, how they manage like that family life and that um, work life, but still maintain a high standard is fucking insane yeah. to me. And like those people, it's like very, such a whole new appreciation for that. Very small percentage that are like that. Yeah, you know, the guys normally that are all high performance in their job aren't very good in their family. Yeah, life. yeah. I've never wanted it's to, to be the like detri- that. Yeah, it's to the detriment. Yeah, of that's right. Life. I've never wanted to be like that. Um, so yeah, like taking all those factors in and then me thinking, you know, what do I really want to do here? Like, do I want someone, do I want to be someone where work is my constant focus? Mm. Um, so then I started doing things outside of work. Um, I started, uh, I sort of took up acting, which is very kind of left field. I guess doing this stuff kind of, um, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> was it, Dude, what? I tell you what, it's been really nice is every time I uh, the, well, a few times that I leave the house, uh, <laughs> I um, I get to see the 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 back of your head on, oh. on billboards all over the place. It's it's gold. It makes Mate, my day. Kick it off, yeah. So uh, in the last year or beginning of this year, I did um, a commercial the RSL campaign, mm-hmm. uh, Queensland RSL's new ad. So I think we've talked about it before. You've done you you done a uh, beer did a, a beer, beer commercial, commercial last that, year. I know that we you talked about it on here actually, but yeah. So yeah, I started acting about twelve months ago. Uh, another ex-military mate got me into it who's an actor um, but yeah through that I've done a couple of sh- uh, short student films for experience did a uh, beer ad for Ballistic Brewing last year yep. and then, uh, managed to land a little role in um, Queensland RSL's <laughs> campaign um, so yeah you can see that on I think every fucking billboard dude like between, billboards between, here, between here and Inogra at the Bays there's like three Oh, really? Yeah, it's, Madison it's, sent me. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple out at Ipswich as yeah. well um, on TV and stuff, which is cool. The only the only gripe I have. <laughs> okay. You know, you know what I'm going to say? No. So, you know, I'm playing a veteran in in the role, you know? <laughs> bit of a stretch, but yeah. A bit of a stretch. <laughs> we, we have to represent all branches of the military. Okay. Obviously, I'm... Former army. Yeah, I'd like to represent the army. <laughs> Would you get lumped? Well, that with? role was taken. <laughs> uh, no disrespect to my uh, air force brethren. I had to represent the air force. Okay, which that's cool. Hey, that's cool. That's cool. But I had my hat backwards in it. Ah, uh, very it? air force. Very. Uh, that's what I was like. Ah, you fly boys. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the only one. But no, it was, it was cool. such a cool experience. And I'm glad, like, um, you know, with the stuff obviously we do with veterans' um, mental health, mm. it's cool to be able to be part of the RSL campaign. Yeah. Because that, the ad itself, the campaign itself is about the mental health stuff and looking after our vets. And, yeah. Um, so it was cool to actually be a part of something that is close to my heart and that I am passionate about. Um, yeah. So how do I get started on that? Oh, which is back to the police thing. Once I started doing things outside of the job that I realized. Oh yeah. Finding things outside. Yeah. yeah outside which is what work. we've always said. Yeah. What you like the fuck <laughs> with. Yeah. It took a while. Uh, I episode went one. Episode one. Um, God, that's so poignant that that was the first episode. Oh, like the no. thing we always come back to. And it's to. like our the main <laughs> But we message. don't learn that lesson. We, we never learn that lesson. Well, you're, you're starting to. No, well, hey, if we learned the lesson, we wouldn't have a show. Yeah. So you've got to keep dragging you're, you're it You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, once I started finding, thinking, all right, what is more important to me? Work or the, you know, a happy life? Mm. Things with my son and, you know, doing the things outside of work that I love. I, I, yeah, I, I remember vividly the amount, like, you saying, you know, when you're on your deathbed or... Um, and you're looking back and you, and you know, what's going to be more important to you or even more poignantly, you know, what's your son going to remember? Like, he's not going to be like, oh yeah, cool. My dad was a cop and he spent 14 hours a day at work and he was the biggest badass. He's like, no, he's going to remember dad was never home. Dad, dad missed 40. This 40 game. Dad, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't want to be like that. Um, and the other thing that was sticking to my head when I was starting to get stressed out and, you know, struggling at work, like I'd be going to work just depressed on the drive there and anxious yep. and I started thinking for however many years I've served and I'm adding police and army together 10 plus years mm. of service what have I gotten back for that you know what I mean like I love serving I'm glad I can serve mm. my country in the green uniform what do you mean you got material for a podcast hey that's true <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's obviously no detriment to my own health uh, yeah, like what what do, what have I gotten back for that? I've focused on that serving so much, but have I really taken any time for myself no. or done what makes me happy? I think that um, the stuff in the job makes me happy, mm. but those, those are just work goals. Yeah, and I think that's the important. Is like it's a pursuit of goals, it's and it's constantly ch- chasing those those things. And it's like, well, every time you've hit one of those milestones, you're setting yourself a new milestone, exactly. and you just keep chasing it just as hard. Yeah, like, I never settle. I'll, on that goal. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take a break after I get this. Then you hit those. Fuck, I can't slow down. I've got to yep. keep going. I've got to get that next thing. Yep. Yeah. So that was where it kind of um, came to a head for me. And like I said, I was getting burnt out at work. And then uh, eventually, for a short period of time between um, getting off the road as a general duties officer and going to a, uh, an instructoral role, I spent a few months um, in a different unit, um, which is a, it was called the Crime Prevention Unit. Yep. Um, which I can't remember if I really told you oh, much about. Them are vaguely... And that was like victim of crimes. Yeah, caught. speaking of victims of crime, and which when I first I requested to go there for a little bit because I just needed a break. Um, everyone's reaction was, "Ah, oh, you don't want to go there. You're gonna be there's no action. You're gonna miss the action." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I think I think I need no action for a little bit." Um, but working out there, that team was great. Um, I got to see a different side of policing. You know, most of the times I go to these jobs, going to break in enters or assaults or whatever, and it's all happening so quick. And then I'm on to the next job. Mm. Um, it's almost like you forget about it because you go to the next job. But with crime prevention, you're, you're actually talking to the victims, making them feel safer. Um, yeah, because you're seeing like the the, the aftermath, the whole different side of, of, of that crime. Like it, it's still afterwards, but it's like the, 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 the proper fallout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hearing people like most people, all, they're just happy that uh, police officers are either, either visiting them or talking to them after the whatever they've been through. Yeah. Just spending time listening to them. 
And half the like the phone calls I made, or if I visit people, the end of it, they're like, "Hey, I appreciate you taking the time to talk." Oh, to that's me. good. Because I, I would have thought um, it'd almost be like being a Centrelink uh, no, call no, center no, no. person, where like you're just copying abuse all no, the time. No, not nothing like that. Oh, that's good. You know, you're there asking them if there's anything you else they need from us that yep. we can help you with, and making them feel at ease. And you know, you go out if they've been broken into, you go talking about home security and give them ideas oh, okay. and like that. Um, so all the conversations were pretty pleasant. Um, and it was interesting for me because it's slowing everything down. I'm used mm. to working at a different pace. It was just slowing everything down and going, I'm just talking to people. Well, you still get, well, you get, like, I guess it would have been different, but like a sense of satisfaction getting. Yeah, I was actually. Yeah. Yeah, good. I was because those interactions were positive. So at the end of it, I'm like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're happy with what police have done. And they've, they've told me they feel better after I speak Yeah. To oh, that was cool. And. Just working with a, a new team of people that, you know, probably different to who I'm used to working with uh, was good. So I did that for a few months and then eventually got a chance to go out to um, this skills and structural role, um, which I'm doing now. And I love it, mate. Like, it's so good. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the few brief conversations that we had every time we, we've had a chat about it, you're, you're very excited and very passionate uh, Yeah, well, uh, about the, what you're doing. Yeah. And it, it's good because, like, I'm... I'm excited going to work every day again and I'm, I'm rocking up to work early, staying back a little bit just to talk to everyone. I work with an awesome team and the skills that I instruct is stuff that I'm passionate yep. about. You know, like uh, my background with uh, martial arts and stuff like that. There's aspects of that in the stuff I'm teaching recruits. Yeah. The days that um, I do a couple of days, the beginning of the week where it's in-service training, so police officers coming for their yearly recoil. Now, those are hard days, my friend. Why is that? Well, if you can imagine police officers who've got other things they're worried about. Oh, they've got research. A, yeah, saying, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a research. Yeah. Uh, look, I love you guys. <laughs> I get it. All right. Um, but it's funny because the center we're working in is brand new. Okay. So before this was built um, for everyone in the Brisbane region, you do yearly recalls at kind of like a local, oh, I haven't explained this, a local office um, with people you know. Mm. And it's other officers like myself that were, Part-time instructors, we go over, um, teams rock up every day and then we do your recalls and you know each other and it's a bit of like, not a tick in the box kind of thing, but it's a... Yeah, I know what you mean. The level of instruction probably wasn't as... Yeah. Um, it doesn't lend itself to um, being the best that it could be. Yeah. And yeah. as a thing with firearms training, a lot of people don't like, it's very much like the military, you know, when it was range days, guys hated range days. Because of how uh, regimented it is. Regimented. And I guess for people who, you know, not everyone enjoys firing firearms, there's a lot of stress that comes with it because mm. it is a, it's a dangerous thing if handled incorrectly. Um, so there's people who don't always feel comfortable with it because we don't get to use it, you know, all the time. So on training days, there's a stigma. You can feel negative energy when people arrive to train. So with this new center, all these guys that are coming through, um, it's a brand new building. The way it's set up is it's schmick, right? They walk in beginning of the day. I'd like I'll take the first first session or whatever. So there's three. It's kind of like a bull ring for those in the military. Yeah, you know, bull ring training. You go from one group of training, then you go to the next. So it'll be like hand to hand combat here, uh, dealing firearms here, <laughs> yeah, taser yeah. here, whatever. And you do that throughout the day. You just move from one group to the next, right? Beginning of the day, it's so hard to like get any interaction out of in-service coppers. They're jaded, they're disgruntled, they don't want to be there. Shut the fuck up, hurry up, get yeah, me the fuck Shut the fuck up. up, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Just tick tick the box so I can leave, right? But they have to stay there all day. <laughs> <laughs> this will take as long as it takes, you know what I mean? Each session I have you for two hours, whatever. 
So beginning of the day, negative attitude, and it's a tough go, particularly Monday morning. By the end of the day, everyone's like, oh man, this is, this is great training. This is great facility. Yeah, because you've got to break down that stigma of how they've been doing things for so long yeah. and that expectation of like, because I think what it is, is because like you've got limited resources at your local station um, and then limited like areas, you know the building, you know, you know right. what's going on around That's you. exactly right. So beforehand, depending on where your station, when you do your requals uh, in your district, the resources and facilities aren't schmick. Mm. It's wherever you can find space in a station or wherever to do this training. So, you know, if you're if you're doing your requal, it's kind of like okay, you have to play yeah, play game, whatever. Now they come out to this brand new purpose built facility. Everything's you know as as far as they can see, everything's running smoothly. Blah blah blah. They're amazed by the end of the day, like oh my god, this is the best training facility, yeah. and the quality of instruction is really good too. So yeah, at the end of the day, most people say oh. I've, I've really enjoyed today and it'd be good if we did more training, which I've never heard that before. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, and that's what I'm enjoying about it. Now. It's definitely a similar issue in the army when you're doing like, even like, especially training on base is that you, you get, there's a certain amount of complacency because you've been in that exact same area mm, hundreds yeah. of times, you know, where the layout of everything and when you go to somewhere that's different in a different location and someone's actually put a bit of effort mm. into designing realistic scenarios and not just going by like by the numbers, the same fucking shit you've done a million times, or that's when all of a sudden, yep. holy fuck, okay, cool. I remember why I joined up to do this job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love seeing that attitude change halfway through the day. And with, the, you know, with what's happened in the last 12 months with policing overseas and everything, mm. so much emphasis has to be on training. Yeah. We've been lucky with the Queensland Police Service has always had really good training, really good um, police officers. Um, you know, we're, we're ahead of the game. But now that we have this, we've built facility for it. That, that's, if you're not training something, you know, every other day, it's not never going to become muscle memory. And when you get that's into it. a situation where the the heart's racing and you got that all that uh, adrenaline runs through your body, like you, you need that instinctual uh, reactions, yeah. uh, and they need to be the right ones, mm. like because other, otherwise you're just going to get fucked over by the media and everything oh, else and yeah. people that don't understand what it's like to work in that kind of that's environment right. with that, the amount of pressure that, and that's you know. actually, that's another thing I'm enjoying about uh, when we have the recruit days um, is you're taking a product from, or a person product, product, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, it is a product in a way, you know, yeah, I, mean? I know what you mean. You know what I'm saying? Uh, someone's going to take that fucking sound grab of that and turn it into something else. <laughs> um, you're taking a person who knows nothing about policing has never done any of these skills and you teach them and you know as soon as you teach them one skill it's terrible over time you see it get better and better and better and we're constantly throwing heaps of different skills at them every single day you can see they're overwhelmed yeah and it is hard and then you throw them into a scenario and they're like you can see they're like I'm not going to remember anything and then all of a sudden because I've done so many reps of it it just happens yep and they they can't articulate why they you know their body moved a certain way it's like, it's because you've done so many reps of it before yeah. we put you into these situations. That's what we want, muscle memory. Mm. So it just happens. Yeah. So yeah, I get I'm, I get a lot out of my current role, dude. I love it. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, like, I guess the, the hardest part for me was mid last year uh, to the end before I transitioned. Um, so this is going to be a permanent... Uh, that's what I'm hoping. This is now what I want to do. With my career in the police okay. so you, well, you've got to go through some kind of application process, or yeah, just yeah. wait for a posting cycle. Ba- end, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just wait for a position. But that's definitely this is where what I want to do now. Um, 
which is so strange because 12 months ago, you know, that's, I would have said that other role because mm. that's what I've been doing for the last few years ago. I've got yeah. to get to this, got to get to this. And I didn't even didn't even think about anything else. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I had a similar thing where it's like you want, you really want to operate at a, at a high level with, with other people that operate at a high level and actually do the job. Mm. And then it might not be the same for you, but you start to notice that at a foundational level, there's a lot of there's a lot missing. You know, mm. we haven't we haven't got locked down our foundational skills to be able to do that high end stuff. And so for me, I started doing the same thing, switching my focus from all right, let, I just want to get myself to a certain place to how can I change the training or put up suggestions to make the training well, a yeah, lot better. I keep forgetting that you. You've been in a training role very similar to what I'm doing now yes. for a while. Yeah, yeah. The, when you started that, how passionate you were about that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like you can see like just how much better it can be if someone just puts in a little effort. Not to say that you know the the, the people that came before me weren't putting in the effort, but um, you know it was a lot easier for me being a digger with without the actual responsibilities of that job. Like people didn't really expect me to you know, be across everything or know yeah. everything. So I had a lot more freedom in what I needed to do. And like the warrant and stuff still had to do like all the fucking admin side of the house and, and, and had a lot of other shit to worry about where I didn't. So I got given a lot of free reign to, to come up with a lot of different things, which was great. But I think like just, just realizing that from that, it's not that I raised that, that as a suggestion, but what naturally happened from that was now there's always at least one or two um, diggers or corporals posted into that uh, training certification um, position now to to assist with that because it just fr- frees up a lot more yeah. time for that kind of stuff to 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 come out, which is um, really good. Well, you start when you move into like a training role, you start to see the job from a different mm. angle, completely different angle. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what you and me are very much the same. It probably reignites a spark in you because you're you're doing something completely different. Yeah, you know. It still can be. It's like it's, it's 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 almost it's an act of creation as well. Like because you're yes. you're creating something which is really yeah. There's um, parts of me now where I'm like, you know, I still miss mm. being on the road and miss the action and stuff. But now I'm like, well, why not the experiences I've had? I can use that. Yeah, it, it's like I mean, I guess we've all got to grow up at some point. Um, and you know, you can't. Uh, well, can't not, be Peter Pan forever. Yeah, you know, we we can't all be be football stars. At some point, we have to let that go. If if you know, you you, you hit your fucking thirties and you haven't quite made fucking B grade yet or whatever. <laughs> um, so you know, at some point, you've got to not not to say that you, you weren't. I was like, what are you saying? I'm not, not saying that you you weren't good at your job on the road, but you know. A lot of other things come into it. Kids, your body, your mental health. You know, at yeah. a certain point, you need to realize, like, I need to reorientate, refocus my energies um, while I've still got energy left in yeah. me or something yeah. left in me to give. Otherwise, you're just going to become more jaded, mm. hate the job, and become even more depressed. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, like, talking about the jade and everything. A lot of the recruits, they all ask me for advice. So I want to get out to my station, what's, you know... What's like one bit of advice you can give me? And I think they're all expecting me to give them like operational advice. Mm. But I've, you know, I will never, I'll try not to, to give that because everyone, you're your own police officer, you have your own style. So the only advice I give them, and I don't think it makes sense to a lot of them yet when I say it, is um, don't let the job be everything. Whatever hobbies you have now, keep them. Yeah. Whatever friends you have outside the police, keep them. Yeah. All because right? it, this doesn't last forever. No. 
And, and we went through that. We've talked about it many times with the yeah. military. It doesn't last forever. Yeah. And it's the same with any job, really. You know, you've got to have external things outside the job. Yeah, because as close as you are with your friends um, from work, especially in the military, um, when you do move on, like, you're still going to remain close to them, but, you know, you're not going to work with them every day. Like, the dynamic changes. Mm. Um, yeah. You're still friends, but it's a it's a very different dynamic, and you're not going to be getting that, that same um, level of um, interaction and... and yeah, you know, get that from them anymore. So um, you definitely need to have. That's really good advice. Actually, I should write that down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but mate, that's like that's pretty much in a nutshell. No, no, tell me more. <laughs> I feel like are you delaying something here? <laughs> uh, or the only other cool thing um, was the fact that so we've recently had Anzac Day, obviously. Oh yeah, um, and my old high school, Sheldon College. Um, they invited me to come out as the guest speaker for Anzac Day um, to talk about, you know, my time in the military, but also they wanted me to talk about this, the mm. podcast um, and the mental health aspect. Um, so I went out there and did like a 20-minute speech um, covering the Afghanistan stuff, covering what I do in the police and a lot of the mental health stuff that I've been through that you guys who watch and listen, you know, all, all over. Um, went out and did that to the whole school from... Preschool, so I feel good. sorry for those guys. They're probably traumatized now. <laughs> Up to year twelve, and a lot of like community members who aren't don't have kids at the school or anything. Who just Sheldon College doesn't do great events, um, and apparently in the community they've all heard how good their Anzac Day ceremonies are. So a lot of community members who just wanted to come. That's along, awesome. Um, were there too. So yeah, got to go out and do because you only just I only just seen the video uh, prior to us coming in to record. Yeah, um, I'll say it again. Fight. The, was a great speech. Um, I was holding back tears listening to it on the phone. Um, it, yeah, it, it's something I wish I'd, I'd hear more when it, whenever I go to uh, services. Is um, it was very. It was a commemoration, not a celebration of of what had happened or uh, of war or anything like that. Um, yeah, you did really, really well, man. I don't know how the fuck you got up and spoke in front of all those people. Like, well, like, you're not man. used to that stuff. Yeah. Either. But also, like I told you, once I got up there, there that many bright lights and everyone was like in darkness. It looked like there was no one there. So I just talked, read the thing, got off stage. No, you that was it. So, But it was great to um, go back out and still so many teachers that are still there from when I was there. No one's changed a day and it was great to catch up with them. And um, the big thing for me... Um, was I wanted to go see my old film and media teacher. Yeah, because um, I think you're telling me that he still has a a, a he still project has, that you did or something? He still has all my stuff. <laughs> so this, this is acting and... and yeah, and oh, yeah. so um, when I was in high school, that's when I first started. You know, I've been a massive film fan and ever since I was like five or six years old. Like yeah. everything to do with film, um, which is probably why I'm now getting into acting and things like that now. But when I was in high school, I started film and media and you know, made four or five little projects or whatever. Um, one of which got me in a lot of trouble in year 12. Uh, I think suspension or expulsion was talked about. We're not talking about blackface here, are we? <laughs> no, man. No, no. No, it was okay then. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was excited to catch up with Mr. James because he listens to our stuff too, which I didn't know about. So um, What a trip. Yeah, we sat down. We recorded a little in- interview with him as well um, for a side project I'm doing um, with Flynn. Yep. And uh, we watched some of my old stuff. It was so really weird to watch as well. 
Um, still holds up my ass. <laughs> um, but he's told me that he still shows like um, students now. What, when did I graduate? 2005. He still shows students my stuff from back then. Holy shit. Yeah. So that was like pretty, pretty cool to hear. Wow. And, that's, um, yeah, that's incredible. Back a bit, very humbling. So um, yeah, it's great to um, go to Sheldon College and hopefully I can go back again. I mentioned maybe I you know, talked to some of the year 11 and 12 guys about um, stress mm. and how important mental health is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's great. Now, mate, you can't hold this up any longer. <laughs> I w- <sighs> strap yourself in, guys. This is going to be heavy, but I will let Shane dictate where this goes and what we talk about. Mm. Mm. Um. Fuck. Where to begin? I start, I suppose. Um. So early August, I um, I had my my EOR, my explosive ordnance reconnaissance course coming up, which is. <clears throat> Um, pretty intensive, three months down in Sydney, um, learning the basics of um, um, uh, ordnance disposal and, and search and things like that to, to start um, moving up and progressing my career in the EOD world, um, which was not great timing because obviously Maddie was heavily pregnant and I wasn't even sure if I was going to be back for the birth because yep. uh, like, I think the course was meant to finish two days after she was due. That's right. But yeah. um, I was pretty lucky in that um, the way the last couple of weeks run, they were going to just let me do all my assessments back to back to back and if I passed all, I could get home early and hopefully get back in time. Um, but um, so I think it was a week... Um, a week before the wedding, which was what the 29th of August, um, my youngest brother suicided. Um, yeah, I, I remember I was, um, I just had, I just finished, I had a dental appointment, so I just got in the car, and dad rang me and, um, yeah, told, told me what had happened, and, um, yeah, that was pretty uh pretty fucked uh t- to be honest um well i remember the the day it happened i um i just finished my i was in a my own psych appointment you know just doing a catch up mm. i walked out i checked my phone i had all these missed calls from you um and obviously i called you back and yeah what happened i came straight over and you just- yeah so i basically i went back to work I, I i told my boss what had happened um he's like go home do what you need to do um Went home, you and Riles came over. I um, bought a bottle of Jamison's on the way home and I was already hooking into that. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that was, uh, what was that, four four days before the wedding. Um, flew up to Townsville the next day um, to go support Dad. Um, spent a few days up there with the family, um, grieving. Flew, uh, flew, because uh, most, like, all, all the family on my side have flown up to obviously deal with that. Um, flew everyone back. Uh, we decided to go ahead with the wedding. Um, we kind of thought, like, um, it'd be good to have a little bit of a positive um, in uh, during that time. So we went ahead with it, and I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad we did. Um, well, just as, like, an example of how, a testament to how strong both you and Maddie's family are like, obviously that was a tough week. Mm. And the, so you got married on the Saturday, right? Yeah. I remember you only asked me to MC the wedding like the Sunday before, <laughs> yeah. right? 
And I'd already started prepping a whole bunch of jokes for the stuff. And then, you know, I got the call of what had happened. And then I didn't think we were going to do the wedding. Mm. And it wasn't until probably Thursday you called me and said, we're going to go ahead with Saturday. And I was so nervous on Saturday because uh, the way your wedding was structured, um, I didn't get to see you before the, mm. um, we call it reception. Yeah. Um, so I was at the reception as every, all the family were funneling in and I'm like, man, I don't know what the vibe the is going to be yeah. because this has been a tough week for both families. I'm like, is are people even going to be in the, yeah. for a, you know, up for a, a good time? Yeah. You know, and, and celebrate it. Um, it. Kurt was with me and I had, I was like, I don't know, should, should I do the jokes or not? And Kurt was like, just do, just do it and mm. see what happens. And I remember from as soon as, because you guys were waiting outside, as soon as I started and I like did a few jokes and reaction was good. And then I said to everyone, you know, how this is a celebration for you two. Should we have a great time? And then the energy, like everyone was I think it was, like, yeah, I think it was like sort of what we needed. Yeah. Um, and the whole night, like both you and Maddie's family were awesome. You could just feel the positive energy. Um, and it's not like anyone was ignoring what had happened. Yeah. People were, you know, we're referencing it all the time. Yeah. Um, we even had um, your brother's photo set up on a table. With a beer there. Yeah, and the, uh, dad asked us to make sure because Caleb only just turned 18. Um, uh, I think it was a month before. And um, yeah, he just wanted to make sure there was a beer next to his photo. But yeah. I don't think the barbers understood, so they kept taking the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I so I had, to, I had to have a word with them, like, please stop touching the fucking beer. Um, what did they say when you're They're talking? like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, both families were... Yeah, I feel like, obviously, like, dad dad was a, dad was a wreck. Um, yeah. Because, um, you know, dad, dad, dad found him in the backyard. Um, yeah. So he was pretty bad. Um, but he just, yeah, he, he, would, he wasn't going to be able to make it. Um, so, yeah, we had the, uh, got through that, had the wedding the next day. Uh, no, sorry, two days later, flew, we, we all flew back to Townsville for the uh, funeral. Um, and then, yeah, that was fucking tough. Um, and then the, I had to be back in Brisbane the next day after the funeral to make sure my shit was packed because I told work uh, I didn't want to get pulled off the course. Um, so... Yeah, two days after his funeral, I was down in Sydney in Orchard Hills, um, starting that course. And um, so, in the a space of two weeks, mm. lose your brother, you get married mm. with a heavily pregnant missus. Mm. Where was the funeral? Uh, Townsville. Fly back to Townsville. Yeah. Second trip in that week. Yeah. Townsville funeral. Back, back to, back to Br- Brisbane. Yeah. Fly to Sydney. Fly to Sydney. Yeah. All in space of less than two weeks. Right? Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think I kind of treated it like in the same way with Pody's death um, because I've never never processed that. And then at the time, I um, I remember, you know, getting told, yeah, you know, when, when he passed, you know, I had about 30 seconds of like processing time then switch off, fucking job on. Yep. You got shit to do. So I sort of did the same thing when Caleb passed. Um uh, you know, I, I had to look after my dad. I had to look after the family. Um, I, you know, threw, threw myself into my work to yeah. just do anything I could not to think about it. Um, cause there's a lot of what I've come to realize a lot of baggage with, um, 
how since I've come back from Afghanistan, um, I've sort of distanced myself from my family a lot. Um, it's not that, you know, I, I don't love them or whatever. It's just, I find it very hard to be around them because of how much I've changed. Um, and so there's a lot of guilt in how, how much time I've lost with my family because of that. Mm. Um, and you know, it's like the most ironic thing of all is like, we do this fucking podcast about mental health and suicide prevention and all that. And you know, my little brother, um, yeah. So flew down to Orchard Hill, started the course. Um, I, prior to that, like my drinking was a lot better, uh, than it had been. I was still, you know, drinking, but I wasn't really going out and partying or anything. But after, uh, you know, pretty much from when I first found out, Carl died every single day in Townsville every fucking day, um, back here every fucking day on course every fucking day. Um, yeah, I, I got to about four, five weeks into the course and I just hit a fucking wall. Um, I didn't tell, like, how were you performing on the course? Do you fine. Like okay. I was actually doing really well. Um, it was to the point where I, I guess I sort of just, yeah, I, I just blocked it all out and it just threw myself completely into the work. I didn't tell, and like, I don't even know if the instructor, I don't think the instructor down there knew what had happened. I didn't tell anyone down there. Um, so it was a bit of a shock to them. I think, I think I'm wrong. I think the, the, the head guy knew because my hierarchy had told him. Um, so when I kind of had that breakdown down there, I was, I remember just sitting there. I, I woke up, I could barely drag myself to the classroom and I just did not care anymore. I didn't care about anything. Um, I went outside, broke down, uh, told my mate Cookie, who was one of the instructors down there who I used to work with here, he's a close mate, um, and then made a few phone calls and uh, I made the decision that, and then work had, had told me, it was on the proviso that they'd let me go down there, is that if something goes wrong, something happens, you need to let us know straight away, we'll get you back as soon as we can, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll support you anywhere we need to. Um, so, you know, I made the decision, I need to come back. Um, you know, I was trying to keep her on a brave face for Madison as well. She's fucking heavily pregnant. Mm. Um, she's stressing I'm not going to be back for the baby. Um, and we were both doing the same thing. Like when we talk on the phone, it was like we were both pretending everything was fine. And she's like, I didn't realize at the time, but breaking down every day because I'm not there to fucking help her and she doesn't have a lot of support here. Yeah. And, um, you know, oh, she does. She has like you guys and, and her friends and stuff, but it's not the same as having your, your yeah, husband. Yeah, partner there. Yeah. Um, so when I finally told her, she broke down and told me everything that happened and I broke down and told her everything that was happening. And um, I was very lucky that with my, my OC at the time, he um, pushed really hard. He's like, whatever you want, we'll do that. Just give me one day because I want to make sure that you get out of this, everything that you need. You, I want to give you as many options as I can was the way he put it. And so what, it, what actually happened was um, – because they were happy with how well I was doing on the course um, and I'd passed, I'd, I'd done pretty much everything that I really needed to do bar a lot of the big assessments, um, they were happy for me to go back to Brisbane and let the unit finish off my um, a lot of my tests and stuff, which worked out well to get that shit finished. Um, but, yeah, so 
got back to Brisbane, finished all that shit up. Um, thank God that was over. And then took a bit of, um, a bit of leave. Uh, my drinking did not improve. I was drinking every day and I got really bad. I recall the night when you're on course, when you call, I was on night shifts. Mm. I was been 2 a.m. and you called me and I could tell you were drunk. Yeah. But you went, I said, are you drunk? And you went, no, 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 I'm good. I'm like, well, it's 2 a.m. <laughs> what are you doing up? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing up? Uh, I, was, I was worried about you, but then I'm like, well, he's been through a lot in the last couple mm. of weeks. So this is just, this is part of the process. I trust the process. Yeah. So I didn't really say anything to you. But yeah, the issue was there was no process. There was me well, blocking yeah. everything. Yeah, I didn't want to push you to talk yeah. too much. But I remember, like, it was a good... Our chat was good. It was a positive chat. I don't know if you recall it. No. You were listening to a lot of our podcasts. <laughs> Commenting on how hilarious we are. Yeah. <laughs> more more <Both> me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, yeah. Anyway. Um, so what happened after that? What was I saying? Uh, yeah, back to Brisbane. Uh, finished, finished the assessments I needed to finish. Um, got, uh, yeah, got, got, went on leave. Uh, yeah, started hiding my drinking from Madison. So I'd keep beer in the fridge, but... I was keeping a bottle of Genesis in the um, in the uh, garage, and I was going through a couple of bottles of that a week, um, plus the beer. Um, then uh, Marlo was born um, on the tenth. Um, that again, like being able to throw myself into that, like seeing uh, how much help Madison needed because. Um, um, obviously takes a lot of, takes a toll off them. So I yeah. just threw myself into like, I was doing all the nights and doing as much as I possibly could with, with Marlo. Um, and just, yeah, kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. But then it, it just hit the point where I had a massive, uh, breakdown and, um, I've realized that if I didn't, um, let someone know what was going on, um, yeah, there was a lot of dark thoughts in my head at that time. Um, so I um, went, uh, I made an appointment. My plan was, what, what in my head, how I saw it going down was I was going to come clean about where I was at. Um, the fact that, I don't think I've talked about this on here before, but when I was going through um, my, uh, what do you call it? My, my psych shit previously, oh, I... Worked it as hard as I could, but it wasn't going quick enough for me because I, you know, wanted to get back into work. I wanted to progress. I wanted to progress my career. I wanted to be an EOD technician. So I said, started saying what I needed to say to get through it, get my ticks in the boxes, get upgraded so I could get on this EOR course. Now, back then, I had a feeling that was happening. Yeah. I remember how, like, you were always passionately talking about work, work, work. Mm. And it was almost like a one day you're like, yeah, no, the doctor said I'm good. I'm cured. Sort yeah. of thing. And I'm like... Hello. Yeah, that's what my GP, she's like, you know, oh, you're like the poster child for bloody mental health. You're like, you've come good so quick. It's it's brilliant. So, uh, your resume, yeah, so I, I came clean to her. Um, I didn't go into details about, you know, like, because about like what I was thinking too much. Yeah. But I think that like she could obviously tell like how much distress I was in and the, and what was going on. What ended up happening was uh, I got committed to the uh, 
what's it called? The Royal the RBH, the mental health, ward. the yeah, the, the the public mental health ward. Um, for my own safety, because obviously with the uh, army or with defense right now, it's a there's there's a lot going on in the space of you know veteran suicide and things like that. So they don't want to take chances. Um, so with with a with a two week old daughter, I yeah I got locked up in there for a week. Uh, saw some real fucking nut jobs. Um, that was that that was fucked. That place is absolutely fucked. I mean, like the staff doing the best that they can there, but that's not a nice place to be. No. Um, there's some the very dis- um. Well, remember disturbed people up there. And obviously, like you know, when I was on the road and stuff, like take a lot of people to get mental health assessment. Yeah, I'm aware what those places are like. I that day that happened because uh, I think a week before you contact me to admit about your drinking. Mm. And then you said you were going to tell Madison and you were going to go back and get help. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. And then I, I think I finished a shift and I was driving home. I was on the motorway. And my, my phone was ringing. It was Madison. And I'm like, uh, my heart sank because I'm like, is this the call I've always thought was yeah. coming? Because I knew you were in a dark place. So I was nervous to answer. And I answered it. And she was upset. And she told me something's happened with Shane. I'm like, what's going on? So she's explained to me because she didn't really know what was happening. Yeah. And taken to hospital and they won't let him... Go at the moment. Mm. Um, I said, look, I'm going to try to call him. Well, it's lucky that you had that, like you said, you had that experience with it because you could explain the process to her yeah. and to myself because I think the analogy yeah. you used at the time was like a monkey in a cage throwing fucking feces everywhere, which is what I felt like. Yeah. When she said, she, he's freaking out because no one's explaining anything to him. No one's telling him what's going on. So I managed to get hold of you. Um, I think you had, you had your phone on mm. at the time, because hey, you were allowed to then. And I could tell you I rate. Mm. I'm trying to tell me I just wanted help. I've explained on this. And obviously in my head, I'm going through what the process is with mental health. Yeah. We get involved and stuff like that. And I started asking you, so what What was some of the stuff you told him? You're like, yeah. I, was, I was honest. You know, yeah. I want help. And obviously when it comes to talking about self-harm stuff, that's yeah. when there are certain things that need to be done. Yeah. And it was almost like that scene in Taken. You know, in um, Taken when the daughter... <laughs> The daughter's overseas and she rings Liam Neeson when the guys are in the house and he's explaining to her what's going to happen. <laughs> I always felt like they were like, all right, Shane, what's going to happen now is they're going to take, take you. you. <laughs> okay. Quickly, yell out everything that you can see in there. I'm coming for you. That's what it was like. Yeah. Um, I remember telling you that. So then, you know, obviously that's what happened is you were, you were held there for about a week. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, sorry to go back a little bit, like, because in my head... You know, I, all I wanted was to go back and see a psychiatrist, get back yes. on my medication and, you know, actually work, you know, get some, get some help. Uh, so it was, it was a massive shock to me where, especially like the way it was kind of explained to me was, yeah, you're going to go to the Royal. They're going to do the assessment there, which really pissed me off because I don't understand how it works or why it works this way, but we have a mental health unit on base. Why did they not do it? Mm. There could be a legitimate reason. I don't fucking know. I'm still pissed off about it because I don't know. I should probably just ask someone and then <laughs> I'll be less pissed off about it. But, um, you know, why I, I had to go and sit in the Royal from fucking, what was it, two o'clock in the afternoon, didn't get a fucking assessment. Like I got an initial assessment done when I got there, but didn't see the, uh, the psych until I think it was 1.30 that morning. Jesus. Yeah. That's not what you do for someone in the fucking military that you're meant to be looking after. Mm. And like, granted, they sent me with my, my, my boss and one of my close mates from work, Bluey. Um, they, you know, they obviously had to be there to make sure I didn't do anything stupid. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, you, that's fucking ridiculous mm. at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, by the time, um, yeah, I was, I was so pissed off by the time that, that I'd finally seen someone, but my hat's off to the, the, of spewing that he doesn't have his own private practice because he was the first person that I'd talked to. I only spoke for about five minutes and gave him a, a, a brief rundown of like my, my history, Afghanistan, all that stuff. And he, he basically from all that was able to like take on board everything I had said, made me sound like he'd actually understood what I was saying. And I know we've talked a lot about, you know, no, we don't have PTSD. Da, 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 da. And he, he's like, you know, it could be this, could be that, you know, have a think about this stuff. Like, okay, whatever. Um, and he's like, basically, so, you know, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to go home. I've got a two week old daughter. I cannot leave my wife at home on her own. Um, like luckily my mother was up at the time yeah. to help her, but you know, and he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to talk to my boss and we're going to come and but it's down to him. He has to make the decision. Um, you know, I, I'm going to have a chat to your wife to see if she's happy for you to come home as well. Like if she, like, cause obviously yeah. she has to, um, you know, be willing to like, you know, keep an eye on you and things like that. And Madison's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go after him. They come back and said, look, basically you got two options, which really isn't two options, but you can volunteer, like voluntarily or come into the, uh, in, into the hospital or we can enable the, uh, enact the mental health act of fucking whatever. And you're going into the fucking hospital. And it's like, well, and then like, luckily I think you did explain to me is if, uh, or it might've been one of my bosses from work, um, was, if you go, don't, if you don't go involuntarily, it makes it very, very hard to then get transferred to a private hospital. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously I went involuntarily and, um, uh, yeah, spent a week in there. <laughs> I remember like said goodbye to Blue and the boss, uh, walking up the hallway with, with one of the mental health nurses and they're like, okay, don't know if anyone's explained this to you yet, but you can't have your phone on you while you're in there. We're going to keep that in a drawer if you need it. Come talk to us. We'll give it to you, but you have to use it in this little fucking area. So I couldn't even have my fucking phone on me the whole time. Like, couldn't fucking smoke up there, which is the worst fucking thing. There was, like, it was decaf coffee. There was no, there was no fucking caffeine. And the only thing I could get were, like, patches and those fucking inhaler fucking things. And I was just going through them like a fucking madman. Um, like, every day, like, my, my work was trying, like, fucking pushing so hard to try and figure out what the fuck was going on and why I wasn't getting transferred to the, uh, to one private hospital. Um, I think it came down to uh, availability because at that time they were, they were chock a block. So ended up having to stay a week there, um, before getting transferred. Finally got transferred. Um, we've got a really good psychiatrist there. who's an ex RMO, uh, regimental uh, medical officer. Uh, so he had, a, he has a lot of, um, experience with, with, um, veterans and whatnot. Um, and again, he started floating the idea and like, wasn't trying to push me in any direction or anything like that. But, um, he's like, look, you know, from what you're telling me, there's a lot of indications here that you may have PTSD. And I'm, you know, I'm just like, it's not fucking PTSD. <laughs> It's not. Stop it. Uh, so, um, are you saying our self-diagnosis could be inaccurate? Quite <laughs> possibly. Um, according to the medical professionals. Um, so yeah. So spent um, two weeks there uh, till my medication basically kicked in, um, and then uh, Todd was able to get me discharged so I could uh, get home and help Madison because she was fucking struggling so hard at that point, yeah. man. Um, you know, she 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 had uh, postnatal depression. Uh, still fucking does. Uh, and obviously all this shit didn't fucking help it. Um, 
yeah, so got home, uh, tried to get back into some kind of normalcy. Um, with that, fuck, what happened after that? It's just been a fucking blur, man. Um, so I think I got out in December. I got out of the hospital yeah. late December. Um, and started, yeah, started seeing um, my psych who recommended that I attend this PTSD course that's run at one private hospital. Um, I was v- still very reluctant. He's like, look, just go and get an assessment done by one of the people that specialize in it down there because uh, that's all they do. They just deal with PTSD. And, and the great thing about this course is it's purely military um, um, people that they, they, that they deal with and that go on the course. Um, went down, did the assessment, um, answered all their questions, and then she's come back and was like, so by the, do you know what the DSM-5 is? I'm like, no. It's like, it's a diagnostic um, manual for, for diagnosing sort of, uh, conditions and things like that. Um, you are very high on the probability <laughs> that you have PTSD because of your, you know, your anger, nightmares, all, all this other shit. I'm like, righto. And like, look, just, you know, I recommend that you do the course. Yep. Um, and I can't remember who it was, but someone, I think it might have even been Todd, um, explained to me, like the, the guy who runs it, I think Dr. Andrew Koo is like in Australia, like the top guy for, for, for PTSD. Um, and like couldn't speak highly enough about this course and, and how much it helped a lot of people. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. I got to do something. Um, so got in that course in mid-February. Oh, so glad I did that. Mm. Um, the first day... I'm glad when you told me you are on it, I was like, thank God. Yeah. Actually doing something. Yeah. Um, still got going into it on the first day, like in my head, I was like, I don't have PTSD. Like, yeah. It's a waste of fucking time. And it wasn't until the afternoon that uh, Dr. Koo actually comes in and it's like uh, partners are there as well, your spouse. And he uh, sits down and he actually talks through like how they diagnose it. Um and he ran through all that and like there was just little things that he was saying and he's like, because I know every, pretty much everyone sitting in this room right now is sitting there thinking to themselves, I don't have PTSD. Every single fucking one of, one of you is and you're like, mm, okay. And he's like, you know, running through the checklist of like what you what needs to, what you need to tick in order to have this thing. Like especially like one of the things was like nightmares. It's like I always thought like my grandfather was like TPI, PTSD from Vietnam and I thought I had a good understanding of what PTSD was. So I was like, no, it's not me. And he's like, so with nightmares, you know, you're probably thinking that, oh, you, you're having dreams about what happened all the time. And you're like, yeah, like that's, that's PTSD, all right? He's like, no, it's very rare that that actually happens. Normally what it is, is, you know, you can't find your weapon. Um, you know, you're in all these weird different situations yep. where you, you're trying to fire your weapon, you can't, yep. and all this other shit. And it's like, holy fuck. And so then many like, dreams have we had? Like yeah, dude. Could be just be on base. Yeah, or like waking up and I'm strangling the dog or I'm hitting Madison or in my sleep, like thra- thrashing, not, not, yeah. As yeah. in, that's what people think PTSD is, is that what you mean? Or is that what No, you're that's doing? what I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm thrashing in my sleep, talk, oh, okay. talking in my sleep, oh, like, okay. you know, yelling out and shit like that. Um, and so like after that, it's like he rattled off, like it was almost like he was like, I was the only one in the room and he was just talking to me. Yeah. And after talking to the other guys there after that, Everyone said the exact same thing. They're like, holy fuck. I didn't like, that's crazy. Um, so the course ended up running for six weeks, four days a week. Um, fucking intensive. Um, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And thank God it's just military guys because if there were civvies in there, that would have been way worse. Um, 
In, what do you mean by that? I think it just it's already hard enough to relate to like you're in a room with like a lot of other like manly men. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a military vibe like of it's the there yeah. So it's like you don't really want to share feelings and shit like that. And I think is having, it like what people would imagine? Like you know, you see in a movie where you sit in on a chair in a circle and like someone shares. You're something? just sitting around a big table, um, kind of. So there's a lot of lessons, a lot of tools, a lot of tips. Um, and how many are in there? Uh, there was. Nine. Oh, so it's very small. Yes. Very personal. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's good. Um, so, okay, for example, like, I think they, they say the second day is the hardest because what you have to do is write an impact statement. And um, at first they explain it. So what you're going to do is just write a statement about how, you know, PTSD has affected, affected your life. Yep. And um, then they very conveniently at the end, it's like, and then what you're going to do after you've written that is read that out in front of the group, which was like, holy fuck. Um that was hard. So you, you, you're sitting there listening to like, you're getting emotional because you're listening to like guys who are 20 years older than you, whose relationships are completely fucked, gone, no relationship with their kids anymore or struggling to maintain relationships. Like you're looking into your fucking future if you don't yeah. fucking change something. Yeah. Um, it's scary. Yeah. Um, well, well worth it. I am at the point now, though, after doing the course, where I don't want to fucking talk about it anymore. Like, why is that? It's because you, you've like just spent six weeks doing nothing but talking about it. Like, and it's like, <laughs> it sounds weird, but like they give you this 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 feelings wheel, and it's like all your main positive and negative, or not really positive, and negative, but like all the emotions you feel is like six, like some positive ones, like happy fucking whatever. And then it's like angry and they branch off into even more. Like if you're angry, it could be because of like all these other little yeah, emotions yeah. and branches out further. And it's so weird because it's like, huh, there's more emotions than just angry and happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it cause it, you, you're doing so much like mental fucking work in like li- trying to like figure out, why you feel the way you do about certain things and I burrowed down into it. It's, it's fucking intensive, man. It's fucking hard. And, um, like after the six weeks, you go back every two weeks, um, for catch ups. Um, and now I think I've got like, then there's just going to be a couple of, uh, three monthly catch ups now. So are you on the course still? Or no, so, oh, so like, finished, so, but this is like, yeah. So that we will all get back together in another two months, I think. Um, so to see the progression and stuff. Are you able to promote the course at all? Oh uh, yeah. I'll definitely put links into it. What's the it. course called? Uh, PTSD, something, 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 dark side. Uh, it's Brisbane based. Yeah. It's in Tuong. It's at the run, run at the Tuong private hospital. I, I couldn't recommend it enough for anyone who's, yeah. um, Things that suffer from PTSD is suffering from PTSD. Go, go and just get the um, the diagnostic done by one of the the specialists there. Um, they'll fucking tell you. Give it yeah. a go. Like uh, DVA will cover. You know, pay for it um, if it's you know related to your service or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't cost you anything. And the the staff there are fucking knowledgeable. They they know their shit. Especially could Doctor Andrew Koo could not rate more high. That he is a smart motherfucker. Holy yeah. shit, it's crazy. Um, still got a long fucking way to go, man. Like I started doing um, prolonged exposure therapy um, afterwards. So it's where you basically talk through whatever instance. Uh, like you, there's like a few different things for me, but like they, they, you talk to your therapist and you decide like which one of these is kind of affecting you the most. And then eventually you might work on other ones as well. But what you do is in the uh, first person, uh, 
pre- present tense, talk through what happened. Yeah. You record yourself. And then, so after you've recorded yourself, you go home every day you've got to listen to yourself telling this fucking story. And I got to the point where I like, because I'm in the middle, that's another fucking thing. I'm discharging. I'm med discharging. You did even, yeah. So we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, So like having all that shit going on at the moment, you know, I've got a seven month old. I've got a lot of fucking shit on on the go at the moment. I can't deal with that at the moment as well, because I noticed like after the course, St- like things were hard while I was on course because I didn't have the um, the capacity to deal deal with. I had reduced capacity to deal with Marlo, and I was like, how, like I I had to walk away so many times when she was crying because I just couldn't fucking handle it. Like it was mm. really bad. Um, but once the course finished, I re- I saw that my capacity opened up again. But then as soon as I started doing the prolonged exposure theory, it just shut down again, and I was like getting really bad again. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point. Uh, prior to the sorry, prior to doing this prolonged exposure therapy, um, I had an incident on the piss. So I I wasn't drinking as I start, I cut my drinking back again, um, but then I had one really big night that really uh, uh, was very bad, um, and it got to the point where if I didn't stop drinking, I wasn't going to be in a relationship anymore. So I haven't had a drink since that. What was that? How long ago was that? That was two, three months ago. What? No. Yeah. yeah. Maybe two months ago. Two months ago. Then? So I haven't had a drink in that time. I'm on um, naltrexone, which is a, like what they give to heroin addicts to help them stop. Because yeah. it basically, if you try and have alcohol or, or, or whatever drugs yeah. that, that you're trying to take, uh, it will make you fucking violently ill. Yeah. Um, so that's helping a lot. What was, do you mind if we talk about that incident just a little bit? No, that's fine. That's right. Um, what we might do <laughs> is we're going to have a little break. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. And then uh, and then we'll be right back. All right. After these sponsors. <laughs> Insert our sponsors, if they're still around. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we're good? Yep. All right. We're back. Back from our break. Shane, you were saying. Yeah. Um... So I had a Bucks party that I was uh, attending and my plan was uh, I was only going to go for the first three hours um, and then come home because after that, everyone was going to the city and that's one of my triggers. I don't like being out. This is a daytime event too. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was, I was only going to stay there for the first three hours, finish up, come home. What I ended up happening was uh, while I was there, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm only here for three hours. I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to get fucking, I'm going to drink as much as I can. And I had a couple of beers and then got straight to the rumbos, which is never a good idea. This is, sorry, keep jumping. This is why you're on the PTSD course. No. no? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah it was okay. in the middle of the PTSD course. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Um, and um, so, yeah, I don't like going out into the fucking city or the valley anymore. I fucking hate it. I get too angry, especially on the piss. And, um, yeah, and I got out, I was getting crankier and crankier and drunker and drunker. And then by the time we end up moving to one of the other pubs, um, I was just at a point where I think I actually got, got they're like, yeah, you're going to have to go now because I was too drunk. Um, and I was like looking for a fight, wandering around, uh, Madison called me and she was obviously upset, which pissed me off more. Cause it's like, just leave me the fuck alone. 
I just want to, you know, and she's like, you need to come home because she realized like at that point I was wandering around looking for someone to fight. Um, so came home, um, got, you know, I was getting into a fight with Madison. Um, and she said a lot of harsh, harsh truths, which I didn't take very well. Um, and I locked myself in here and I ended up in this room in this room and I ended up breaking a lot of shit. Um, or gave, gave myself a fucking black eye because of like the, I was smashed, I smashed like a stick vacuum where shit flew up and hit me in the fucking face, pissed off moors. Yeah. I was absolutely lost the fucking plot. Um, you cut yourself too, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, As in, oh, yeah. Not, not sorry. Yeah. Not cut my eyebrow. Accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I meant. And like Madison's freaking out, obviously, because I've locked myself in here and, you know, she's called you. And, um, you know, at that point, I just wanted to be left alone. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll take the reins for a little bit so you can compress on that. Obviously, I think by the time you got home, so you were already home, um, I was at home. I looked at my phone and I had a couple of missed calls from Maddie. Mm. And I had a text message like, hey, sorry to bother you. I feel bad for, you know, contacting you all the time. But, um, you know, Shane's fucked up today. Um, I think she said, give me a call or whatever. So I called her straight away. And she's explained to me what happened, you know. Mm. You know she had, that you were out and she had plans and you never came home. And then you were drunk yeah. and um, carrying on pretty badly. Uh, and then she's like, and he's locked himself in the back room and he's breaking a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I, I said, you know, like, I was like, oh, that, that broke my heart because mm. I knew how hard you'd been working and not just this year, obviously with everything that happened last year, the previous years, yeah, you know, for years you've been constantly on a high and then on a low, on yeah. a high and a low. So it broke my heart a little bit, particularly, you know, you've got a young family. Yeah. And uh, I said to her, like, right, put me on the phone to him. And then she's like, I'll try. And then I think at that point, you've walked out. You've walked out to the front. Mm. And I can hear her trying to get you to come back in the house. And she's like, he, he does not want to talk to you. Um, so I think she hung up for a bit. And I was just contact through text, making sure she's okay. Because at that point, I was I was angry with you. Mm. I, and I explained to you late, like, I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love you, you know. Yeah. Um, but... I was angry that this yeah. happened again and I'm angry that this is happening to Madison mm. and Marlo as well. So at that point I was like, I just want to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Um, so then maybe 20 minutes after that, I've tried to call your phone a few times, a whole bunch of missed calls, whatever. And later that night you've called me back and I, I could just tell exactly where you were and what you're doing. I could tell you were out the back having a smoke cause there was that, I picked up and there was that sound of you like <laughs> taking that first drag of a smoke and you was, it annoyed me how casual you were because I could tell you were blind drunk. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey mate. And you're like, Hey man, what's up? And I said something like, well, I don't know, mate, you tell me. And you went, I don't know. Do you remember any of this? Yeah. I, I remember like, as soon as you said that, I was just like, nah, I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. I went silent. And yeah. I just went, well, you went, I said, you tell me. And you went, uh, I don't know, mate. Yeah. Well, I had a couple of missed calls from you. So what's going on? And that's when I yeah. was like, well, I've seen the photos of the damage to the, the room and everything. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? And then there was silence. Mm. And then you hung up on me. And mm. I got even more angrier. <laughs> I 
to the point where I'm like, I'm going to drive around. Yeah, there. even in that state, like I knew, like I, I didn't want to say something I'd regret. Yeah, um, and I knew, I knew, as angry as I as I was with you, I knew what that was. Yeah, why you're doing? Why he doesn't? He's too drunk to face us right now. Anything we talk about is, yeah. is not going to mean anything. Yeah, it's just it's not going to work out. And I said, I think I texted him and said, "You need me to come over? Do you, do you like?" And she said, "No, this, you're not going to get anything out of him tonight. He's just sitting out the back having a smoke." Um. So that like, yeah, that broke my heart that mm. night. And then the next morning, I texted Madison. She's you know told me that you're very regretful and everything. Yeah, it's like something with me because I've I've fucked up so many times on the piss, and you know I I I, I apologize, but I don't want to talk about it because f- to me. Sitting there saying, "Oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to change," means, means nothing, nothing because yeah. I fucked up that many times, and at, at that point, me saying that is me- say. meaningless. And yeah. so, so it was really frustrating for Madison because you know she's not getting a lot out of me, and I'm just trying to like in my head go, "What the fuck can I do to stop doing yeah. this shit?" Um, and like the th- the only thing, the common denominator through everything is alcohol. Yeah, every single time I fuck up or it's I have a breakdown, later. it's there's alcohol yeah. involved. Um, and so more important to me was like, okay, what actions can I take that's going to stop this happening? And it, at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. Yeah. I need to stop. Well, she was just so people can understand the gravity of this, the situation at the time for people who have listened, you know, what Shane's been through and what Madison's been through. Oh, how do I put this? <laughs> anyway, you like talking. <laughs> <laughs> the conversations me and Madison had that night and then that, that morning, she was very, and she would have said the same thing. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, at that point, she was like ready to pack up and leave. Yep. You guys have been through so much. She stood by you through so mm. much, and it's just that cycle. And she was done. Yep. And to be honest, and I've already told you what I yeah, said yeah, yeah. to her, so it's no secret. I agreed with her mm. and said, "Well, no, you can't keep putting yourself. No, you know, you've now got a child. You need to do what's best." Like, for yeah, you. I would putting your shoes. I would have said the exact same thing. Like, yeah. so I was for where her head was at mm. at that time, um, and I, I probably I encouraged it. Mm. Only because I was angry at you. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't till when did you call me finally? Oh, I think it was a couple of days. A couple of days. Yeah. Um, well, can you remember where you were by the time we. Yeah, I think it was that, that week because that was like. I don't know, it was, yeah, it wasn't a weekend. I think it, I think it was like after a couple of days I've been back at course because that was that was hard. Like that was fucking embarrassing. So you man. That, oh yeah, you had to go to course with Madison. No 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 that? no she she wasn't there um, oh. that week. She'd come for a few different days, but that not that week. Um, but you know every the, at the start of every day you go there and you talk about uh, your suds, which is uh, basically you plot where you're sitting with your anxiety and your anger and things on a scale of one to, zero to a hundred. Um, and you explain why, you know, what, what's triggered the spikes and things like that. So you have a better understanding of when your um, uh, anger and anxiety are raising so you can hopefully catch it a lot earlier. Um, so, yeah, I had to sit there and explain to her, like, why I had a fucking black eye and it's fucking embarrassing. Like, um, How was that received? Um, in a weird way, like, really well because it's like – the fact that I was open and honest about what had happened, um, like was, you know, received well, like no one, like the, the staff certainly don't sit there in judgment of you. They're, they're oh, there yeah. to facilitate your recovery. And like one, like we, 
every group comes up with basically the same rules, but at the start of the course, you come up with a bunch of rules. Like, you don't bring up hot topics. You don't talk about um, things that, like, that happen to you to cause, because it might trigger someone else. Um, You don't, um, you know, things like that, just like common, and you you try not to be judgmental of other people's stories because you're not in their shoes. You don't know what they're going through. Um, so, you know, the, the guy, like a fucking great group of guys that I, that I went through the course with, um, you know, they're all quite supportive in like, you know, helping me try to figure out what I need to do. And I, by that stage, I'd already obviously made the decision. Like, that's it. I, I, cause every time I've like quit drinking, it hasn't been quit drinking. It's like, I'm going to have a break from drinking. Yeah. Many times when like, it's always I've a break to quit and you're like, no, no, I'm at the point now. Yeah. Like, yeah. When yeah. start that soon, I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> you're what are so, you going to say? Yeah. I can have a couple. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but for how long? Yeah. That's not sustainable. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, making the, like, I've quit. I'm not drinking anymore. So okay. that's, make it, like, knowing that I'm not going back to it, is, yeah. it, it, it changes that dynamic. Um, so, yeah, mate. So that was the action that I need to take. Discussed it with Madison. Um, go that Naltrex line. So that helps a lot. Um, cause it also helps with the cravings. It doesn't just make you sick, but it, it, it helps with the cravings mm-hmm. as well. Um, I guess the downside to that is I, as, as much of a recluse as I was before that, it's even worse now because alcohol for so long for me since coming back has been my only way to interact with other people. Yeah. Um, I very, like very rarely, like I think the only, I, well, it, since I quit drinking the only person I kind of have gone to see is like you once mm. and that's it. Like I've. I, only time I see the guys, like friends from work, is if I have to go into work to do yeah. uh, appointments and shit like that. Like I can't go. Over well, it's been hard to get hold of you the last yeah. few months, you know. And like, I think there was, you know, I ring you and it rings out, and I keep ringing you every now and then. And then there was that time the other week where I called you, and you picked up, and I could tell you were driving. I think you're driving. Up yeah. There. And I'm like, and it's like you were shocked that I was calling you. You're like, hey, <laughs> hey, mate, you're alive. What's going on? You're like, just driving. I have you back. What's up? I'm like. Catching up, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm just driving. You know, it was like I inconvenienced you. I was like, oh. yeah, but um, I'm like, okay, he obviously doesn't want to talk to anyone. And I just yeah. said, okay, all right, man, I'll call you. Because like at that point, I was still on the course, and it's like again, I just I had no capacity like for yeah. dealing with any anyone yeah. out or talking. Well, to after that conversation, I like I hung up. I was like, I'll, I'll let you be, and I immediately, I don't know if Madison was with you. Yeah, um, yeah, she was. I messaged her straight away. I'm like, what's is he all good? I just mm-hmm. want to know he's all good. And she's like, yeah, he's fine. I'm like, okay, so it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's basically it. Well, uh, one, one last thing, maybe to round it up, the med discharge stuff. Oh, yeah, shit, that's yeah. That's where we're at now. Yeah. Um, so, I can't even remember when exactly I made the decision. Because I was like, I was actually... I was talking about... I was thinking about leaving anyway and getting a... Um, like, that was another thing that was contributing to my breakdown right at the beginning, uh, end of last year was, um, I was going to start a, uh, a, a business and, um, I started getting panic attacks, like mm. thinking about that. Like, cause I remember how, how, how much I, I, cu- I couldn't stand dealing with, um, like civilians in a work capacity last time I was out. So I started getting panic attacks over that. So mm. I, I ended up pulling the pin on that, uh, completely didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. And then I just, I made a decision that, for once I, I need to actually look after my mental health and staying in the military is not going to enable me to do that. Um, I, I think I've gotten as much as I've gone as far as I can with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to swap focus on, on, onto my family <clears throat> now. Um, yep. so yeah, in the pro my 
proposed outdates the 6th of July. Um, going through all that rigmarole for the second time now, which is fucking so much fun, so much paperwork. Um, and we're gonna, we're looking at moving to, uh, Inglewood, Queensland, um, where Madison's sister and her husband live. Um, they've got two little girls as well. So, um, it's just a tiny ass country town, which I'm really looking forward to <laughs> yep. getting out of the city. Um, we'll, cause you did, you kind of did that last time, right? Yes. 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 Will, and I know one of the issues was when you did move last time, and I'm aware you didn't have the tools back then to do mm. what you going on, was one of the issues though, because I remember you telling me a few stories, like the isolation part got to you. Got to you yeah, bit. it wasn't the isolation where we were. It was my self-isolation from my friends and family. Like okay. I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with my family. I didn't want to, um, you know, seeing like everyone else having fun and getting on with their lives, it's like, I, I can't look at it. I don't want to be a part of it. Like, yeah. I, cause I'm so stuck where I am mm. and the world's just moving on without me. And I'm like bitter about that. I'm fucking, um, you know, just bitter about so many fucking things that, um, I just, it's like a self defense mechanism where I'm like, fuck it. I'll just, I'll pull back from fucking everything. Yeah. So, and then again, needing alcohol to catch up and it mm. always fucking turns into, you know, some fucking drama yeah. around that. So, that was the, that that was the biggest issue and then also um not having something to fuck with outside of it um to to keep me occupied what so do you know what so there's a few different things that i'm thinking about doing um in the meantime i'm 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 hoping i'm going to um get a um class a pension um at least for, for the first 5 years um after i discharge which will enable me to one like actually hook into my um therapy um and start getting that shit sorted and then um uh also now i need to kind of focus on like finding what it is that i i can do because i i can't i couldn't go back to like the post office i can't go back to borderline i I got bisitis in my fucking uh right shoulder in my knees like compartment syndrome like i'm fucked Mm. uh so i couldn't go back to doing that um but there's a few little things like i started um tinkering with computers like um building computers and things like that so i'm thinking about maybe building computers and selling them or um, maybe building um like furniture or something yeah. um, like making epoxy resin tables or concrete tables or something like that um i don't know so, uh, depends on how, how fucking intensive it is but there's a few different things i've thought of like hobbies and stuff like i need i need a hobby i need something to do that's going to occupy my time yeah. otherwise i'm going to go fucking mental <laughs> Yeah, more so more, yeah more so more so um so yeah that's my sob story and i'm sick into it <laughs> well that's uh that's a heavy episode yeah um look i guess we'll look at wrapping it up in a minute but as we said when we started this episode it's been a while between drinks well i shouldn't say that it's <laughs> <laughs> been a while yes, it has. it's been a while between uh you know episodes i guess um it's been it's been hard getting you back in the chair behind the mic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, I have not been ready to like, I, I know we did want, we actually recorded a, an episode uh, a few months ago um, yeah. talking about this stuff and I just wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. I wasn't ready to talk about it. Um, yeah, it was too uh, fresh, I think. Yeah. Um, um, but like I've said to you, cause you, you don't get to hear the positive feedback or any feedback. Mm. Well, it's all positive, actually. All our haters don't say anything. <laughs> Although we'd have any. Um, 
there's so many people that get stuff out of this show. Mm. Okay. And definitely the stuff you talked about then, even more people are going to get stuff. Out well, of I think that. Yeah, maybe, maybe something we should finish on then is, you know, lessons learned on good AAR. Um, okay. Yep. So for, for myself, like if, Anyone is listening who who is struggling. Like the best thing you can do is like you need to you need to talk to someone. You need to seek help, and you need to start getting it out. Because if you keep bottling up, you're going to keep fucking up. Um, there's only so much you can do on your own, and yeah. if you keep your glass like I do, like pretty much fucking to the brim, so that you don't have to deal with anything else, then like me, you're going to keep having breakdowns. Hmm. Um, Probably the biggest thing I learned from the PTSD course is um, try is trying to figure out how to integrate your experiences into your life and like not letting those experiences control the rest of your life. Um, and to, in order to do that, obviously you've got to go and talk to the the people who can actually talk to. You. So like, yeah, guys, fucking go go to Tawong Private Hospital. Like there was guys from Darwin. Uh, there was, yeah, I think there's a guy from Darwin. Um, that they pay for his flights down, and you know they give you accommodation. So just because you're somewhere else in the country doesn't mean you can't get. Um, you know that's not a barrier. They'll fucking yeah. fly you over there. Um, you know, and like if you're doing that course, and you're gonna lose wages. I'm pretty sure. Like, don't quote me. This is not a fucking expert, but you know you, you can look at getting in cap payments while you're on course from DBA to, to cover you while you're not working to do the course. I highly recommend it. It's fucking hard. But but do worth it. Well worth it. I can it. already tell you're different. Like when I rocked up this morning, and I joke about it a lot on the show <laughs> that most of the time I rock up to do a podcast episode, and nothing set up. Shane's not motivated. Whatever. I walked in today. He was dressed. He looked slick. Well, First you- thing he said, "We're ready to go." <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean we're ready to go? He's like, all we got to do is a sound check and we're on. Well, right. you can thank my insomnia at the moment because like I'm on to my, I think my fourth different medication because none of them have been fucking working. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sleeping. I go to bed like at three o'clock every morning. Yeah. So but, you're obviously up all night yeah. doing this, but uh, that, but still you were positive and I was expecting to walk in today and you say, we're not doing it. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you should. I have to find a photo. I might put a photo in uh, in there somewhere. Of I like, I look a little bit clean cut at the moment, but I was a fucking hobo last week. Were like my like hair, a, my hair was so fucking that long, name that dude, beard scraggly. The aviator who went crazy. The Simpsons did that takeoff where he made planes. He's like, hop in. I said, get oh, in. Oh, the fucking Howard Hughes, the spruce, mo- the spruce moves. moves. <laughs> Were you like that? Yes. <laughs> Jars yeah. of pee in your room. Every yeah. Room. Can you promise the listeners that we will do more of these? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Like even the fact that I'm moving out to Inglewood is not going to be a barrier. Um, I because when's that happening? Uh, July. Uh, we'll move out there, so we'll definitely do. Uh, hopefully, a couple more episodes. Um, prior to that, but um, we're gonna keep. Now that we've got, I've got this um, mobile set up now. Like I don't even need my computer. I can record this onto my yep. phone and shit. So, so we can promise this time. There will be more regular episodes throughout this year. Okay, mm. we're going to keep it up. Um, I think we're today's been a good day. Um, not only to get back into it, but I think just being able to talk about our stuff. Yeah, like I, I have felt quite bad that you know you tell me that people are like, oh, when's the next episode? When's the next episode? And people actually wanting to hear it, which is mm. always weird. But um, I'm glad. Like, like, recruits got- coming up to me. Recruits that I'm trying to. I don't even know. I don't even know your name. Sorry. <laughs> but listening to the show. And I'm like, like I think I told you how a recruit squad started day one, and I'm walking around. There's like sixty of them training, and one of them walks up and he's like, "Oh, sorry, is, you, your name is Tom Tommy Archer." I'm like, "Yes." 
He's like, from the Malice of the Monkeys podcast. I'm like, how the fuck did you know that, you know? So there's people yeah. we aren't even aware of that we're reaching out to. Yeah. So it's cool, man. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, not, not that it's an excuse, but at least I think it's good now that people will know kind of why we've been on like an even longer hiatus than yeah. what we're normally known for. So get off our back. It's been heavy. <laughs> All right. Leave it there. Please. All right, guys. Maladjust the Monkeys, we're out.